Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information or to find a therapist in your area, visit our website at therapyforblackgirls.com. While I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 346 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. We'll get right into our conversation after a word from our sponsors. Hey, ladies, it's Dr. Joy. March is Women's History Month. Let's celebrate us. As women, we put our heart and soul into everything we do. Release the Pressure is here to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. I'm inviting you to help us get 100,000 Black women to learn more about their heart health. Go to www.releasethepressure.org and take the pledge to prioritize your heart health. That's www.releasethepressure.org. You are valuable. Learn more about your heart health today. Okay, y'all, just a heads up that Easter is early this year. So make sure to get everything you need to host for Sunday, March 31st. From pastel outfits for the whole family to brunch-ready serveware, Macy's has got you covered. And you're never too old for an Easter basket. So Macy's also has Toys R Us Easter basket goodies, from books to stuffed animals and even slime. You can find it all in-store or online at Macy's.com. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. We all deserve to find and have love, but this process can look and feel a little different when you're navigating the dating scene as a transgender woman. To explore all of the nuances that come with dating as a transgender person, I'm joined by award-winning journalist Derek L. Cottingham. Derek is a proud Southern Black trans woman based in Los Angeles, whose career portfolio includes the LA Times, Harper's Bazaar, Essence, and the Washington Post. She's also a general board member of NABJLA, where she strives to make the industry more inclusive for Black journalists. During our conversation, Derek and I discuss some of her experiences navigating dating as a trans woman, including discerning between genuine interests and fetishization, deciding which dating app is right for you, and choosing how to maintain safety when disclosing your identity to a new partner. If something resonates with you while enjoying our conversation, please share it with us on social media using the hashtag TBGNSession. Or join us over in the sister circles to talk more about the episode. You can join us at community.therapyforblackgirls.com. Here's our conversation. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Derek. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you. So I wonder if you could take us back to like the early stages of your transition Mm -hmm. and talk with me about like, what did those early experiences, how did that shape what you felt like dating was going to be? So transition is really hard. People sometimes know transition based on when you start your medical journey, when you start social transitioning. So social transitioning is like when you're going through the world and letting everyone know, these are my pronouns, this is how I'll be moving. When you start wearing the gender affirming clothing and leaning more towards showcasing what the gender that you identify as is social. And then there's the medical journey too, where you go and start hormone replacement therapy or HRT, whether you're introducing estrogen or more testosterone into your body or using blockers for the dominant hormone that your body naturally produces. And so for me, I started social transitioning a few years ago, but very much in a very discreet and secret way. For all intents and purposes, when I would date, I was dating as a trans woman. 
in my personal life. However, I had not yet let people know that I was trans or really let anyone know until last year of March is when I made it public. And I let my loved ones and my family and everyone know. And so I've only been on the medical side of transitioning. It'll be a year at the end of March. So when you started socially transitioning, what were your thoughts around dating and what that might be like for you? For me, it was interesting because a lot of my dating experiences, I had came out as like bi and queer when I was 17. And a lot of my dating experiences were within a queer space. And a lot of the times femininity was not like the thing that was sought after. And there was this notion of no fats, no fems, no this type of thing. Like if it was mask for mask, and this is all that people were interested in. And so also growing up in the South and just being Black and growing up in like the Baptist religion and just real Southern upbringing, there was a lot of internal interrogation of not feeling like I was disappointing others by like being my true self by embracing my womanhood, embracing my femininity, and always wondering if by being myself, would that mean that I would be alone for the rest of my life romantically? And so it took a lot of mental and emotional internal talking with myself and sitting with the feeling and noticing that when I was presenting more femme outwardly to people that I was happier. I would sleep easier at night. I felt better about myself and I would literally cringe at he, him pronouns. Like I would feel like a sword was stuck into my chest. And so that was a lot of the mental and emotional things that I had to work through personally when I was navigating the dating space too, because it was this thing of like, what does it mean when femininity is just not appreciated as much in the dating space coming from like the queer space of where I was coming from and Still at the time, I was so unsure. Now I'm a little bit more clear on things and know what I'm attracted to as far as a partner, what I need from them, what does it mean for sexuality when I'm dating someone and things like that. Because when I am dating, I'm typically dating someone that is more mass presenting, whether cis or trans. And I tend to date people that are straight, bi, and pansexual. And so... Now there's a bit more understanding, but in those early stages, I was like, I don't know the terminology. I don't have the knowledge. (laughs) And coming from the South and there were very few queer, like the queerness that you did know was more, you had someone that was either lesbian or that was gay, but I really didn't know any non-binary or trans people coming from like Texas, Louisiana, and just growing up in that real religious background. And so It was also not that many like possibility models on TV and like the few trans people you did see, they were usually white women or something. And me being very aware that my experience is not going to be the exact same as theirs and there's not going to be that same type of mobility. And so it was some time really trying to be comfortable with that even in private while dating. I'm glad you brought the media piece into it because I'm very curious about that. Can you remember like your earliest experience of seeing yourself reflected on the screen and then how that helped to shape your identity? Wow. It really wouldn't be the most accurate depiction would not be until more recently. And it would be with Uncle Clifford from P-Valley. It would be the character that's played by this actress on The Shy, who is also a Black trans woman and a journalist. And those would be the most accurate depictions where I'm like, okay, that's me. That's through and through as a Black queer Southerner, as someone that is navigating media space, but also my trans identity is a very public thing too, because I transitioned while I was already in my career. And I also opted not to change my name. So it's this thing of like, it's a little bit different of, I don't have the option to live in a stealth way or not really let it be known that I am trans. And so those two depictions were more common for me. And then when I was growing up, I kind of just related to a lot of more Sim and queer characters. Like, I loved all the animated characters that Cree Summer played. I loved her character in A Different World. I felt seen from her. And also, it would be like other queer characters on Degrassi. You have like Marco. And so I would identify with aspects of these different people. But 
not until more recently did I feel like, okay, that's exactly carbon copy like me. And then just as far as like womanhood, it would be Queen Latifah, especially living single days. Like when I think of what beauty and womanhood and stuff looks like for me and the way I express it, it's very Queen Latifah, Tiana Taylor centric and really look to like Tracy Ellis Ross and her time on Girlfriends and things. And so it would just be bits and pieces of like possibility models that I would see in media and not more recently would it be something that would be this character encapsulates me as a whole. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned, you know, especially being like a Southerner and not feeling like there were lots of like mentors and things to kind of look up to, to kind of help you navigate this dating space. Mm-hmm. Where did you find resources? Like who kind of stepped in the gap for that? Or how did you fill those gaps? Google, a lot of Google, a lot, a lot of Google. And then there are now working in media too. I have a few other like trans sisters that work in media who understand I can lean on them and ask them a few questions here and there. But before then, it was like Reddit and Tumblrs and these like (laughs) online resources of community and basically figuring out all these different types of things. And so, yeah, it was definitely like leaning towards online spaces of community and finding different guides and articles and reading these aspects and helped me put terminology to things too. And then just reading books as well about Black trans identity. So any suggestions for people about how to like navigate some of those spaces? Because I think there's a lot of good there, but maybe not so good also when you're going into these foreign territories. So to speak, so any suggestions for people, especially younger people who may be checking out this episode about like, how do you navigate and know what to pay attention to in online communities? I lean on my media literacy training. I lean on my gut feeling. If I read something from a community and I'm like, oh, that made me cringe a little bit or feel uneasy, like maybe this is not the community where I need to be looking for resources at. And then if I don't have that feeling and I feel like, oh, this resource was helpful, I'm like, okay, let me continue to look. I've never really been a Reddit type of person until I medically transitioned. And so I'm on Reddit quite a bit. There's a lot of different, very trans-centric spaces on Reddit that are moderated by trans people. And there are even spaces for people that are interested in dating trans people of like how to help them navigate dating someone and using the right terminology, not slipping up on things, also making sure they're not fetishizing people. And so Reddit's been a resource, TikTok. There's a few trans creators that I follow on there, and I really gear towards more other Black trans women who I can relate to. And then I also just gauge things based on, like, at what age did I transition to, like, temper what my medical transition could actually look like before contemplating the possibility of any surgeries and what genetically and medically could happen from hormones. And so TikTok, there's a few community spaces on X, Twitter, and things like that. For me, too, having a doctor who is very well-versed in trans and non-binary identity that is overseeing my gender-affirming care has really helped as well. But then also just having those older people who they were starting when, like, HRT was not as accessible and they have been able to be such good guidance on things. It's just definitely following the gut and trusting the way something makes you feel when you're looking at resources. Something makes you uneasy or you feel like that doesn't seem right. It makes you raise an eyebrow and you're just like, no, I don't think this answered my question. I would click out. I would go look for something else. And then when you feel like something is sitting and resonating with yourself, I would do that. And so that's helped me with the dating side of things and figuring out terminology, figuring out how to put words to the ways that I was feeling or just even navigating and tempering my journey on HRT, not feeling like I would wake up and like I would see the end results. It takes time. It's a process. You're essentially going through a second puberty again. And so it can take up to five years for everything. And so I think being able to access that online information where people are documenting their own transitions, sharing information that they gleaned through their process. It's like really helpful and important for a lot of young trans people. And it's just always important just to know like early on for me, it was this thing of like, I didn't get to transition when I was younger. And I transitioned after I was 25. I transitioned right when I turned 27 medically. And so 
tempering that certain things I would not get from the hormones because I started a little later. But that's always not the hard, steadfast rule, but realizing that, hey, genetics might work, some things may not work, and just being happy and graceful about the body that I'm in, grateful for being able to finally live in my truth and be happy that there are some resources out there. Got it. Thank you so much for all of that. So what would you say are the new normals you've had to navigate and get used to dating as a trans woman? Straight men. (laughs) (laughs) I I know. You would think I've been dating a lot of straight men in the past five to six years or so. Somehow I end up always, that's who I end up in the long haul dating. (laughs) And it's very different. Luckily, I'm the youngest of five, so I have two older brothers. And they're really good with like advice. And my older brother that's two years older than me is like, when I first announced to my family that I was, he was like right on board and it was like my little sister, this and that. And I'm always really good at gauging things because also my dating pool is typically like black millennial men because I only date with inside my race. And typically it's like straight men. So I can glean from them like, hey, you feel this way or you've dealt with this before. <laughs> How should I approach this to where it doesn't seem like I'm nagging them or like I understand where they're coming from and how can I approach this topic? And my brothers have been like really, really helpful with that, but it definitely would be entering that hetero dating space a little bit. There's someone that I was seeing and they would not let me open a door. And they're from the South. They were like, would not let me open a door. They would get mad when I would do anything like that. They're like very chivalry because I'm like, it's modern world, modern woman, modern dating. Chivalry's kind of a little on its last breath. So it's always shocking when you experience it. And so it would just be those kind of hetero norms. But it is something that's very different for me because it's not what I've done dating wise. And so... That has been like the most interesting to navigate. And I find myself having girl talk with like my friends and my aunts and like my mom and stuff about these things. And I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) But yeah, definitely navigating dating straight men. (laughs) And is there anything that's been more positive or more uplifting than you expected it to be? I think now I came out in a time where there had been work of like, the idea of trans people, specifically Black trans women existing, was not as out of mind, out of sight for people. And so I do think when it comes to dating, there's opportunity for me to date people who are comfortable being with me in public. There's still a lot of people that are not, especially just the way that we talk about queerness and transness in the Black community in general, especially if you're from the South and grew up in a very religious background, like I did. And So it's been refreshing to like meet some nice guys that are totally secure in who they are in themselves. They're like, I'm either bi or pan, or they're like, I'm straight. I only like women. I only date women. And you're a woman for me. And you make me happy. I'm very attracted to you. And I don't care what nobody's going to say. They're like, PDA is a go. Dating in public is a go. And that's very... One, gender affirming, but two, it's also just romantically, just when you're dating someone, you never want to feel like you're being a secret. You never want to feel like they're embarrassed of you. It's such a dehumanizing feeling. And so I think that's a really big part because even before my transition and maybe I was dating some queer men, they were always embarrassed about my femininity. They were always embarrassed about me and aspects of who I was as myself. And it just was not ever a good feeling. And so that's definitely a part where it's like a lot more happier. But then I also enjoy girl talk with my girls and talk about (laughs) this stuff. And so I have fun with that. The sisterhood from the Black women in my life has been amazing. They're always giving so many tips and advice on things, especially when it's like a date night. They're like, oh, you got to do this, girl. Have this. Be prepared with this. And I'm like, thank you. So it's definitely those aspects that have been like, hmm, this is kind of great. I like it. Nice, nice. More from our conversation after the break. (laughs) 
Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. March is Women's History Month. Let's celebrate us. As women, we put our heart and soul into everything we do. Release the Pressure is here to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. The RCP Heart Health Squad will support you in protecting your mental health and overall well-being. I'm inviting you to help us get 100,000 Black women to learn more about their heart health. Go to www.releasethepressure.org and take the pledge to prioritize your heart health. That's www.releasethepressure.org. You are valuable. Learn more about your heart health today. Wedding season is right around the corner. Perhaps your mailbox is already getting full of save the dates and your weekends are filling up quickly with celebrations for some of your favorite people. Or perhaps you're the one who's in full swing planning your big day. Let Macy's help you check off some of the things on your to-do list. They've got all the latest dresses, shoes, and jewelry you need to make a stunning appearance no matter the dress code or occasion. Whether it's a traditional ceremony in the town you grew up in or a beautiful destination wedding. And they've got you covered on gifts for the couple as well. So you can get everything you need for all of the celebrations in one place. Check out Macy's Wedding Shop to help you get celebration ready at Macy's.com slash wedding shop. It's never too early to plan for your next trip. And if you're looking for a new place to visit, consider Provincetown. If you like glamour, dining, dancing, entertainment, hiking, biking, beaches, and an overall unique experience, you will find it all in Provincetown. The city prides itself on being welcoming to everyone and embracing diversity. And as the birthplace of modern American theater, P-Town is an abundance of entertainment, drag, comedy, live bands, burlesque, traditional theater, and much more. You can tour the dunes, blaze the bike trails, and walk the beaches of the National Seashore. And don't forget to catch a wave on a whale watch. For more info and to get started planning your visit, go to ptowntourism.com, the official guide to Provincetown. That's ptowntourism.com. So we know that a lot of dating these days is happening online. So people have mixed experiences. So I'd love to hear about your experiences dating online. Any tips that you would have to share or things that you're like, please stay away from this? I'm an online girl. I am. I'm an online girl. I've been online for most of my life. I'm a what the kids call a zenillennial. I'm a cusp between millennial and Gen Z. So technology has been a huge part of my life. And dating, I was on all the apps. I no longer am on the apps. I don't have them on my phone anymore, but I was on all of them. The queer ones, there are some trans-specific ones that you got to be a little careful about because they're marketed as for us. But what they really are are very fetishization and people that are like chasers. And you got to be really weary about those ones. And then there are some very Black-centric ones that while company policy may be they're pro everybody, the experience in who is allowed to be on there and who doesn't get bans and reporting is very different from the actual reality. And then there's okay Cupid. Hear me out. <laughs> Hear me out. It took me hearing from some like of my older friends who met their partners on okay Cupid to give okay Cupid a try. And I'm single, but I've been actively dating. And out of who is working, that person came from OkCupid. And so that is very shocking just for me being so young and like always being on Tinder, Raya, Bumble, and like all the other newer ones. But yeah, they came from OkCupid. And so I'm pro dating apps. I say that I'm trans straight up. It kind of is a little easy for me to not even really contemplate stealth or being public only because I chose not to change my name. And part of that reason was that half my career was already under my name. And I'm a journalist. I work in media. I'm front facing. And I go viral quite a bit <laughs> online on different topics and stuff. And so I was just like, there's no way I can just disappear and just pop back out and nobody knows who I am. <laughs> and so because of those things, I... I'm very upfront about it. I'm also living with HIV, which I've discussed and made that public as well. And that I contracted that from like assault. And so I'm very honest that I'm positive. I'm undetectable. And I am a trans woman that's in my bio all the time on dating apps. 
other ways you can do it. A lot of girls kind of just put the little flag as a sticker on one of their photos. So it's clear. Other people may start the conversation with someone, like the highs and the hellos. And then early on, they're like, just so you know, I am also trans. There are so many different ways that people disclose these things. And dating apps, it can be hard. You're sifting through a lot of people that are fetishizing you, a lot of people that may be attracted to you, but they have their own internal stuff that they're figuring out. There was one guy, it was a guy who matched with me on a dating app. And it was like two years ago. This guy matched with me on a dating app. We were hitting it off on the app. We exchanged numbers. And like I said, my status as far as my HIV is in my bio and that I'm a trans woman is in my bio. And so we're hitting it off. We get each other's number. I guess they finally go back and read my bio. We're still talking over text, having a good time. They're setting up a date, all this. And they're like, whoa, you got me. You tricked me. You did. You got me real good. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? They're like, you played me real good. I didn't know you were trans and this and that, da, da, da. And I was like, it's like the first thing in my bio. Like, did you not read the bio? And they were like, no, nah, you played me well. And I was like, who tricked you? Who played you? When it's right there, first thing on the profile. And it was such an interesting kind of dynamic. Situations like that always early on too, because at the time I wasn't, I hadn't started my medical transition. And at the time of that time, I wasn't working full time. I was freelancing full time. And so I just didn't have health insurance. And so I was always really hard on myself about not being able to, quote unquote, pass or feeling like I hadn't started my actual medical transition. And so things like that did hurt and hit my insecurities a lot about myself and trigger a lot of my dysphoria. But it was this thing of like, no one tricked you, but you feel that I intentionally went out of my way to do something dubious to you. And it was right there. I'm going to say this the clean way because I, I got to be a lady. Um, in situations like that, there were so many different situations that happened that were like that. And I joke with my girls now and I'm just like, men don't be reading none of these bios on dating sites at all. They see a pretty face or a booty and they swipe right <laughs> and they just start the conversation. And then down the line in the conversation, they might go click back and read your bio. And I'm like, that's exactly what happens. And I know that happens just because of that situation and so many other situations. And so that's been like my online dating experience. There's been good experiences. There's been bad. There's been some people where it started off, maybe let's go on a date. And then it turned into friendships. It turned into just us networking because we found out we both work in media or they just became good friends. But Dating as a Black trans woman is very much like dating as a Black woman in general that is cis. Added on top with a bunch of sprinkling of transphobia, possibly, <laughs> and all these other things. You're still dealing with misogynoir. You're still dealing with people either fetishizing you. You're dealing with people that are dehumanizing you. It's all these things you have to sift through just to find Prince Charming or the person who you're meant to be with or who your person is. And it's, it's, it's interesting, but I like meeting people in person. I also like online dating. I think online dating, you do what works for you. And I've done them all. Like I said, I even was like on Raya. I just don't believe in paying for it. <laughs> and so I was on there for a bit, had a couple matches, but it was too industry and networky for me that I didn't too much care for it. I've also dated a few other people with public platforms who were very iffy about dating me because it was this thing. They would Google me and I pop up with an actual Google knowledge panel. And so it's like, oh, this is a very recognizable person. So if we're out in public, if we're doing things in public, people are going to know that she's trans. And if we're holding hands, if we're looking romantic, they're going to know that I'm into trans women. There was one actor who I was seeing, and not really that long, but we were just seeing each other. And he did this thing of like my career, it could be at risk, all this other stuff, and just being affiliated with you, which hurt me so bad because I'm just like, while I can understand this like insecurities, fears and stuff like that, it's the way you go about articulating it to a person <laughs> that just doesn't make them feel like also crappy. <laughs> They didn't articulate it in a really great way. And so 
I gave a little snappy pushback and I said, don't nobody even know who you are. They Google your name, no none pop up. You Google me, something does pop up. And so <laughs> it was it was a very interesting situation. It was this thing of them telling me they don't care about who sees us and this stuff, like leading me on in that way. And then it flipped to this and I was just like, then leave me alone. Like you didn't have to approach me. You approached me, you asked me out, we were going on dates. Leave me alone. If you cannot get down with who I am, leave me alone. Because there's no fantasy here. There's no fling. There's no nothing. Because I don't got time for it. I'm very guarded and protective of my heart because of the relationships I've had, the things that I've learned from those relationships. And so I'm just like, until you figure out yourself, until you are comfortable with what you're attracted to, please stay away. I've had a lot of different situations of dating online and some good, some bad, some in between. And, you know, it's just the experiences. (laughs) Yes. So Derek, you mentioned being careful of being fetishized Mm -hmm. multiple times. Can you give us some indications of like how we would vet for that? Like how would somebody know whether it's like somebody who has genuine interest versus somebody who's interested as a fetish? It's very similar to, and I think a lot of Black women can understand this too. It's versus when a guy is like actively trying to set up a date versus just like trying to just kick it. And we know what kick it means. And a lot of them just be trying to kick it. I can tell when they're like not trying to like go and hang out in public, but they're like, let me come over or you come over here. And I'm like, it's 11 o'clock at night. It's 1 a.m. Why are you asking me to come over? We had a whole day. You also told me that you were off. I was off. We were cool. We could have coordinated something. And it's gauging like those things going with their gut. But then when they're like so anti, just even just doing platonic hangouts with you. And if they're only contacting you to inquire about the kicking it of it all, that also says something for me too. Like we can't hold a regular conversation because for me with dating, I need to know that we have some interests, we have some things that we can talk about before we even get into the flirting or the sexual nature of us. When I date, the typical times where things work out is when I'm a nerd, I'm an anime nerd, I'm a sneaker nerd, I'm a music nerd, and I love pop culture. When I'm able to talk about these things with other people or I mesh well platonically and romantically with people who are nerds about their own favorite thing, and I can have that conversation with them, it's also this thing of... Coming from like the queer space, there's this DL nature of like some guys don't even let you know what their name is, but they want to spend time with you. They want to do all this other stuff. It's like, I'm good. But it's very much this nature of how did someone approach you, make you feel? If it left you feeling uneasy, if it made you feel like, what did you mean by that? If it doesn't make you feel enthusiastic, like, oh, wow, I really would like to hang out with them. It's a good way to kind of really gauge in these things. There is this one app, I don't know what I say the name, <laughs> but it's really fetishizing. Like I was using it as one of the apps I was using for dating and it was just a lot of like chasers on there. And I had on there that I don't do hookups, none of that, don't like looking for none of that. And people were still trying because I guess that's what it started being for a lot of people. It was like a very much a chaser app for trans women. Like it was an app for people to go on there and find trans women and appease what they were into. And so those are those types of things too. What worked for me also was just getting off of the queer centric apps like that. Like the ones that were very catered towards us. I kind of just, you know, let people know that I'm trans in my bio, check that I'm a woman or Tinder and a few other places you can now check that you're a trans woman. Like they have a more expansive gender identification. And I just kind of stick to the... The ones that the the cishet people use and feel and kind of just not sift through any of that. But it's also this notion of like if you're on the queer ones and there are trans subcategories that you can select, a lot of us feel like that's a little easier because you don't have to do the dance of letting someone know that you're trans. And so that is the appeal of those spaces. But with those spaces, the other side sometimes is that it's real fetishization. It's very hookup culture. It's very like... People are only interested in you for your body, for what you do for them on an arousal level versus as a person. And before transitioning, before socially transitioning, just 
dating in general has always been that for me, where people were more in love with the idea of me. My past relationships were very centered on those things. And so I learned a lot from those things where I was not happy. Some of those relationships were very abusive verbally and physically and just be able to catch the signs of like, this person does not make me feel safe. They do not make me feel secure. They do not make me feel happy. And I have an anxious attachment style. And so I'm like, if they're exasperating that like 24-7, 100% of the time, I'm like, maybe we don't need to do <laughs> any of this. Right, right. More from our conversation after the break. Hey, ladies, it's Dr. Joy. March is Women's History Month. Let's celebrate us. As women, we put our heart and soul into everything we do. Release the Pressure is here to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. The RCP Heart Health Squad will support you in protecting your mental health and overall well-being. I'm inviting you to help us get 100,000 Black women to learn more about their heart health. Go to www.releasethepressure.org and take the pledge to prioritize your heart health. That's www.releasethepressure.org. You are valuable. Learn more about your heart health today. Wedding season is right around the corner. Perhaps your mailbox is already getting full of save the dates and your weekends are filling up quickly with celebrations for some of your favorite people. Or perhaps you're the one who's in full swing planning your big day. Let Macy's help you check off some of the things on your to-do list. They've got all the latest dresses, shoes, and jewelry you need to make a stunning appearance no matter the dress code or occasion. Whether it's a traditional ceremony in the town you grew up in or a beautiful destination wedding. And they've got you covered on gifts for the couple as well. So you can get everything you need for all of the celebrations in one place. Check out Macy's Wedding Shop to help you get celebration ready at macy's.com slash wedding shop. It's never too early to plan for your next trip. And if you're looking for a new place to visit, consider Provincetown. If you like glamour, dining, dancing, entertainment, hiking, biking, beaches, and an overall unique experience, you will find it all in Provincetown. The city prides itself on being welcoming to everyone and embracing diversity. And as the birthplace of modern American theater, P-Town is an abundance of entertainment, drag, comedy, live bands, burlesque, traditional theater, and much more. You can tour the dunes, blaze the bike trails, and walk the beaches of the National Seashore. And don't forget to catch a wave on a whale watch. For more info and to get started planning your visit, go to ptowntourism.com, the official guide to Provincetown. That's ptowntourism.com. So you shared that you are very forthcoming with your identity as a trans woman, with your medical status, all of those things. But we know that people are in different stages of where they want to and how they want to share that. What kinds of things would you say people need to consider about when to have a conversation if they are not as public or sharing as forthcomingly as you are? I think when you feel safe, a lot of it is safety because you don't know how someone's going to react. Like the story I told about the guy earlier, it was in my bio. He did not read the bio. Got my number and everything. We're talking everything, but still felt like I tricked him, quote unquote. It's a lose-lose a lot of these times with people. For you, though, when you are trans, it's about what allows you to go to sleep at night, what makes you feel safe, what makes you feel comfortable. Because everyone thinks there's this big boogie man type of gotcha thing that's happening and most of the time that's not the case what's happening is people are attracted to us they just don't want other people to know that they are and they get very embarrassed or insecure about it because of the way society talks about trans people or they talk about the people that are in love and interested and attracted to trans people when I date someone, like seriously date them, I always recommend them to watch Kokomo City. It's a film that was on film circuit last year at festivals. And I saw it at Sundance last year and I interviewed the director who is Grammy nominated producer D. Smith, who is also trans. And there's a lot of trans documentaries and films. This one, though, it was very specific to the experience of Black trans women and the people that love us. And it really got into the nitty gritty from people who were doing survival work for people that are engaged and married and in relationships with straight men. 
and we are in the Black community because we know how we can navigate and really talk about queer issues. It's very different than like broader kind of conversations. And it was these in-depth interviews about these dynamics with the people, about the safety of it all, how just the way that you even talk about people that are interested in us adds to the harm for us because it changes and affects the way they react to finding out the person that they are attracted to is trans. Even if they may know or have a glean in their mind, they're like, I'm pretty sure she's trans, but she ain't probably told me yet, but I'm cool with it. But you don't really know for sure. And so I always tell the guys, I'm like, watch that. Like, I also gauge just how they talk about like trans people in general, how they talk about black women, because you might mean me where my hair is a totally different way. This is a fresh twist out. Five days from now, it's going to be <laughs> I tell people, like, don't be feeling like you're getting tricked by some type of image or you met me when my hair was straight or you met me when I had this other thing and you feel like I don't no longer look this way. And I feel like a lot of black trans women, we gauge that too. Like, it's this thing of we have to, like, constantly put the face on. We got to do the full performance of femininity. We can't really always show up sweatpants, hair tied, chilling with no makeup on. Like, we, we can't do those types of things because... Even this interview, I was like so weird because I talk with my hands, but I took my nails off. And so I was like, hmm, do I need to pop on some press-ons and like all these other things? And then like my makeup, I do that for myself. Like it's something I just love to do. But it's these things that I think a lot of us consider. And I always recommend that documentary. And then D. Smith, their partner is actually one of the old members from B5. And he did a video, too, that was, like, going around and that was viral. And it was this thing about, like, it's important to talk about and normalize loving Black trans women. Because when we do these things, it makes it safer for us. It really does. Like, having that cosign of just, like, this is normal. This is way more normal than people think it is. This is more common than people think it is. Is really, really important it overall adds to the safety for us. It adds to how community engages with us. It takes away this taboo nature of our existence. Because I always tell people, like, just me existing is political. It was already political as a Black person. It's more political now as a woman, as a trans woman. It's just political because my existence is always discussed on the political spectrum, my rights, all these types of things. And I just tell people, do what makes you feel safe and comfortable. What is going to be the thing that makes you feel like you can go to bed at night and not keep you up at night, make you not feel like someone's going to attack you because of who you are? I think you asked me earlier about like how do you gauge like who's fetishizing and who isn't. Typically, the reason, another reason why I stay away from the people that are fetishizing is because they're usually the people who will react in a very harmful way regarding your status or of who you are, your transness. And if other people find out, it can get really, really harmful and dangerous. And so I date people who also got something to lose. <laughs> I date people who are not of that vein, who I can go out in public with. It can be documented. I'm texting my friends like, hey, girl, I'm out with this person. Just so you know, they got my, my I'm in a group chat with my girlfriends and we, they have like my location and stuff like that. I think about like abusive relationships and where partners trying to isolate a person. And when it comes to dating for me, but like also being aware because it used to be me and a lot of other trans women deal with this. There is that isolation where you can't really talk about the person that you're dating. You can't really disclose what's going on even to your friend groups or your loved ones and that type of isolation builds this perfect environment for them to be able to be abusive and feel like you don't have anyone to turn to about it because there's also this guilt I would say of feeling like why are you telling the tea of who you were seeing and it's like it's also your tea this was a, a, a like you should be able to talk about the romantic encounters that you have. And I think a lot of the times we feel like, oh, we got to keep that private and this and that. Because if someone finds out, then they're like, oh, the person was gay. But it's just like this person's not even attracted to men. They're only attracted to women. And you're probably their first trans woman. Most of the time when I'm dating, I'm usually people's first time dating a trans woman. 
Now that is a whole other pressure of itself (laughs) because you're then making sure that everything goes well and you're like super in your head about every aspect of the dating because you're just like, they're going to hold the entire experience up to the experience they have with me. But overall, I just tell people, you really got to listen to your gut. You really got to like, it's about your safety at the end of the day. And I'm just like, it's disclosure is very much a personal decision. We discuss it like it's not, but it's a very subjective and personal decision. So what advice would you give to non-trans partners who want to create safe, nurturing environments for their trans partner? When I've dated non-trans people, what's really worked for me that's made me feel safe and secure is one, knowing that they're usually in community with other queer people. They're in community with other trans and non-binary people. They are cultured on some aspects of transness. They may not be like an academic scholar on the subject matter, but they're not completely oblivious to things. They're always asking questions, but in a way to grow and learn, or they'll just take the initiative to kind of just research something themselves. And then it's like, they do this thing. You're like, wait, how did you even know know to do that? And it's like, okay, someone did their homework. I see you. And so I think it's important to do that. I mentioned the Reddit earlier. There were communities for some people that are interested in dating trans people. There are very specific ones. There are broader ones just like dating trans people in general. There are very specific ones for male to female. There are very specific ones for female to male from how to have sex with this person, what is pleasurable, what is not, to how do I make them feel their gender affirmed constantly? How do I make sure I'm not offending them in this way or let them know that I'm not fetishizing them, I'm not a chaser? Or people trying to figure out are they a chaser or not? Because they're like, well, I feel this way, but does that make me a chaser? Like, I don't want to be a chaser. Like, I've seen different communities like that on Reddit too. And so there's a lot of like discussion for people who are interested in dating trans people, especially Black trans women, but it's still very much in the shadows. And I always recommend that Kokomo City film because it's like one of the first times I've seen it kind of just like put in a platform that's like, we're not in the shadows anymore. We exist. We're a part of the Black community because we are Black. And there are straight Black men that love us too. And pretending like it's this hush, quiet, taboo thing actually adds harm to us. But I always recommend those. Even just for trans education in general, I have a a one-on-one course. I get people that recommended me. (laughs) Hey, media, academic, journalist, that's my wheelhouse. So film-wise, it's Kokomo City, and it's Disclosure Doc that is on Netflix. And then We See Each Other by my good friend and mentor, Travel Anderson, which is a legacy of Black and trans representation on TV and film and pop culture. And a newer book from Raquel Willis, The Risk It Takes to Bloom on Liberation in Life. And that's like my one-on-one course for people to really get a glimpse of what it's like to be trans, but very specifically Black and trans and a very Black trans womanhood centric peek into what it is of the existence. And yeah, those are like my recommendations for one-on-one course, crash course of just like, huh, start there. Like when everybody's like, you don't got to constantly ask me as a living encyclopedia, you can Google I'll give a few recs, and those are my go-to recommendations for people. Beautiful. I love that. We love a good resource list and things for people to check into for themselves. (laughs) I appreciate you. (laughs) So, Derek, I feel like there's so much more to share, but I do not want to keep you all day. So tell us where we can stay connected with you. What is your website, as well as any social media channels you'd like to share? Everything is Derek Cott. Even my website is D-A-R-I-C-C-O-T-T.com. All my social medias, if I'm on a platform, it's Derek Cott, D-A-R-I-C-C-O-T-T. That's the app for everything. And that's how you can find me. Perfect. We'll be sure to include that in the show notes. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Of course. Thank you. I'm so glad Derek was able to join us for this episode. To learn more about her and the work she's doing, be sure to visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com session 346. 
And don't forget to text two of your girls right now and tell them to check out the episode. If you're looking for a therapist in your area, be sure to visit our therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com slash directory. And if you want to continue digging into this topic or just be in community with other sisters, come on over and join us in the sister circle. It's our cozy corner of the internet designed just for black women. You can join us at community.therapyforblackgirls.com. This episode was produced by Frida Lucas, Elise Ellis, and Zaria Taylor. Editing was done by Dennison Bradford. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. March is Women's History Month. Let's celebrate us. As women, we put our heart and soul into everything we do. Release the Pressure is here to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. I'm inviting you to help us get 100,000 Black women to learn more about their heart health. Go to www.releasethepressure.org and take the pledge to prioritize your heart health. That's www.releasethepressure.org. You are valuable. Learn more about your heart health today. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Conair is spreading love and celebrating women, not just on International Women's Day, but every day with Conair Girl Bomb. Girl Bomb is their new line of powerful hair removal tools made just for us. Yeah. Whether it's the silky smooth skin or the empowering confidence boost you get, Conair Girl Bomb is here to amp up those positive vibes with some self care. So, to all the beautiful women out there, keep shining, keep being you. And treat yourself to some Conair Girl Bomb magic. You deserve it. Available at Walgreens.